The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast from NBC Sports Edge. This is our weekly MLB Power Rankings show where we break down my weekly MLB Power Rankings column that goes up on NBC Sports Edge every Tuesday. Uh, We're recording this late Monday night as usual just to to add some context as we throw out various stats and, and records and stuff like that. I'm Drew Silva. Joining me here and every week throughout the regular season is Janice Scurrio. Welcome in, Janice. Uh, big week ahead for us here at NBC Sports Edge and just as baseball fans in general with the trade deadline looming on Friday. I start every show by asking you what you're looking forward to around the baseball world. Um, maybe it has something to do with the deadline or maybe you're excited for it to be over, <laughs> kind of like I am. But uh, it just it just makes work, work a little harder for all of us. But that's OK. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Exciting in a good way. Uh, and sometimes in a bad way, too. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, the thing I'm looking forward to this week is twofold. The first thing is the trade trade deadline. I would just like it to be all over. All of these rumors and all of the fake accounts on Twitter are just getting to be way too much for me. Uh, and I would just like all these transactions to happen, uh, make them all make sense, and uh, continue on towards um, enjoying the, the, the rest of the second half of the season. But the other thing I'm looking forward to, uh, so the Mariners and Astros started a three-game set tonight. Uh, so right now the Mariners are not faring too well. They're down 6 nothing uh, at T- uh, T-Mobile Park. It's the top of the third. Uh, but over the weekend, uh, they took three out of four from the A's. Very promising. Uh, so the Astros are in first place. Uh, so uh, leading into Friday's t- trade deadline, uh, definitely Seattle is going to perhaps uh, be considered a buyer. Uh, so certainly, uh, yeah, they have some notable needs. Uh, definitely their rotation could certainly use another arm and potentially in another infield bat. Uh, so I think Seattle uh, posing to be a buyer has been an interesting storyline so far this year. Yeah, we'll definitely get into the Mariners here in a bit. One of my biggest risers uh, of the week and a team we haven't talked about in a while, even though they're putting together kind of quietly a, a very impressive season. Um, we'll talk about them in a second. I'm going to be trying to scroll, scroll through uh, Twitter throughout the show looking for any moves. It always seems like the biggest news drops right as we tie ourselves up in a, some kind of recording session like this, uh, <laughs> the baseball gods care not for our podcast and the timeliness of the content within them. Um, but anyway, uh, before we continue, here's a special offer for our listeners. Use promo code BASES10 for 10% off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge+. Plus. It can be either monthly or annual, and for any tier, not only do you get access to the baseball season tools, but your subscription also covers NBA, NHL, 
NFL content, which is heating up. So it's a great value and can help you if you play just baseball or if you have your hands at all sports. So remember, that's promo code BASES10. You can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash premium to get started. All right, let's get to the rankings. We'll, we'll hit on all the teams in the top five as usual and then discuss the, the three biggest risers and three biggest fallers from last week to this week. If you want rankings and individual observations on all 30 teams, look for the column every Tuesday at NBC Sports Edge. Usually goes up late morning, early afternoon. All right, uh, let's do this. The top five. All right, let's take a look at your top five. So looking at your, looking at your rankings, uh, looks like there might be a little bit of an upset. You might have uh, some fans of a, a certain fan base in your mentions later, but we will get to that in a little bit. Uh, let's focus on the top five for the top being uh, for for the time being. So at number one, you have the San Francisco Giants. So interestingly enough, they did drop two out of three over the weekend to the Pirates, uh, but they are certainly a resilient ball club. Uh, so they have a major league best 25-12 following losses. Hmm. Yeah, and I probably sound like a broken record to any loyal listeners out there who tune into this show every week. Uh, it would be easier to just throw the Astros here at the top because it's a it's simpler to explain why that team has flourished. But the Giants moved into the number one spot for me six, maybe seven weeks ago. I've kind of lost track and Every week since when I'm writing my column and prepping for the podcast, they continue to have the best record in baseball. So what am I going to do, like drop them at that point? Um, the Giants did just, like you mentioned, lose two or three to the Pirates over the weekend, but they won three or four against the Dodgers before that. And we talked about what a massive series that was in Los Angeles on the show last week. Um, now those two rivals meet up again for a three-game series beginning – Monday or no, that's Tuesday night in San Francisco. Um, a two-game lead right now for the Giants on first place in the National League standings, entering that series against the Dodgers. Uh, Brandon Crawford resumed baseball activities on Sunday as he works through that oblique strain. Could maybe be activated from the IL around the the end of this week or the start of next week. Uh, so that would be a big boost, having a terrific year from a, a power standpoint, kind of out of nowhere, like a, a lot of the Giants. Uh, Lamonte Wade Jr. deserves some love. He's been filling the leadoff spot recently. Three homers in his last two games. Now has a 930 OPS and 171 total plate appearances this season. Um, and if you remember, the, the Giants got Wade from the Twins back in early February for reliever Sean Anderson, who has changed teams at least twice since. I think it might be three times since. Now a member of the Orioles. So just one crafty move there and a long list of crafty moves from Farhan Zaidi and the Giants front office who are just really to be commended for, for what's happening right now in San Francisco. I think Gabe, Gabe Kapler, the manager, deserves a lot of credit too with, with the parts that he's had to you know, plug in at, at various points and, and dealing with that bullpen, which wasn't great on paper, um, but has really uh, performed well through the uh, first four months of this season. Right. Going on to number two, you mentioned them before, uh, climbing one spot are the Houston Astros. Uh, so now the Astros, like I mentioned before, are in Seattle. Uh, they are tied for the best record in the American League uh, at 61 and 39. I think that might have been as of yesterday night, uh, having swept aside the Rangers in three games. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, Houston has won three in a row now in five of its last six games to yep. kind of solidify that lead in the AL West. Yeah, seven and three over their last ten. If you take it back 
a bit, um, up, open up a five and a half game lead on the athletics for first place in the American league West standings. I guess that'll grow just a six game lead and for first place in the AOS if they finish off uh, the Mariners in, in this game on Monday night. Now, right now the Astros rank second among all 30 major league teams in combined OPS with a mark of 773 and their eighth in combined ERA at 3.59. I think both of those numbers will improve based off just looking at Monday night's box score in Seattle. So that's a pretty good recipe for success, uh, having great offense and great pitching. And I expect some minor upgrades too uh, before Friday's trade deadline. Alex Bregman has been cleared to begin a minor league rehab assignment at AAA Sugarland. Uh, I think that was on Sunday where he played his first game there. So he should be back around the end of this week if all goes well. Uh, at the AAA level, he's been sidelined since June 17th with a strained quad. So that's kind of like a trade. I know it's a cliche, but getting Bregman back is a huge boost. Um, Bregman back in the fold and maybe some bullpen help. I think that's probably what they'll focus on at the deadline. Craig Kimbrell makes a lot of sense, uh, but there are some other high leverage arms out there. The Astros are going to be a problem down the stretch. I think we all know that, but don't necessarily want to admit it. <laughs> Very well put. Uh, so at number three, moving down one spot, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, the Dodgers are moving down for what I think is the first time in a while. Uh, so uh, some good news for them. Uh, Chris Taylor won player of the week. However, uh, he did hit safely in six straight games this past week, including two multi-homer games, which is pretty great. Uh, so uh, in that span, uh, he had two doubles, five home runs, uh, six RBI, and nine runs scored. So they're five and the Dodgers are five and five in their last ten. But here's an interesting tidbit: um, as of Monday night, all NL West teams are five and five in their last ten. I don't know how. I don't know how often that happens. I don't think it does ha happen that often. You know, as I was putting together like this week's rankings, so many teams have gone five and five over the last ten games, or like four and six and six and four, uh, which makes my job a little difficult. Like, <laughs> you know, you want to move these teams around a little bit, but when when no one really sticks out, it's hard to. But there's too much parity in the league right now. Yeah, I guess that's a good yeah. thing, or, or it's just been a weird couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you mentioned the Dodgers, five and five over the last 10, three and five over their last eight, and that was against the Giants and Rockies. Mookie Betts currently on the injured list with a hip issue that has apparently been bothering him for much of the year. And then you know we've kind of avoided the subject on this show because it's an active, ongoing investigation, but the, the Trevor Bauer story is getting ugly if it wasn't ugly already. Mike DiGiovanna of the Los Angeles Times reported Sunday morning that a majority of players, this is a quote from his article, a majority of players on the Dodgers roster do not want Bauer back and under any circumstances. Um, so that's even before the hearing on those sexual assault charges get underway. A three-day hearing set for like the first two weeks of August where Bauer will be called as a witness and be allowed to call his own witnesses. Again, we don't really have all of the details. The early stuff that came out was troubling, uh, to say the least. De Giovanna calls Bauer a pariah in his own clubhouse. Um, so on the baseball side of things, which obviously shouldn't even be the focus, it, it's just hard to see him pitching for the Dodgers again, or maybe any major league team and Bauer won the NL Cy Young award last year with the Reds you know, got big money in free agency over the winter it's just kind of a mess you mentioned Chris Taylor though National League player of the week let's let's end on a positive note um the always underrated Chris Taylor who I would guess is not a pariah in his own clubhouse 
Yeah, I would, I would hope not. <laughs> uh, so going to number four uh, are the Tampa Bay Rays climbing up a handful of spots uh, from number seven last week. Uh, so they did lose to Cleveland last night. And before that game, they had an 11 game winning streak going. Uh, so an interesting tidbit I found. Uh, so that loss to Cleveland was uh, the first since May 24th of 2019. That seems like a long time to go with, um, with, with without a, a loss to a team. Yeah, that, that is impressive. I mean, just Cleveland's not very good. I think it, it, it's come to – we've all come to kind of realize that, especially when you lose like three-fifths. Actually, I think that their entire like opening day rotation wasn't – active at one point um but with the rays you know I, I could have flipped a coin for you know who should be four and who should be five between the rays and red sox um the red sox do lead that division but the rays have a slightly better record than the red sox over their last 10 games seven and three for the rays six and four for the red sox again my methodology with these is highly advanced um <laughs> but also the, there's the big nelson cruz acquisition for tampa bay and Huge. Uh, yeah, a very non-Rays-like move because he's not, you know, I was going to say he's not versatile at all defensively, but he just doesn't even play defense. Strictly a DH at this point in his career. And the Rays like to have flexible players. Maybe that's because they're, you know, very cost-conscious and kind of have to do it a different way than the big big money clubs. But it's kind of a, a set-it-and-forget-it piece for manager Kevin Cash. And Cruz has already slugged two home runs in three games with his new club, which – is very predictable, um, has been hitting third and DHing. So I think they're just going to stick him there the rest of the way and, and throughout October and have a lot of success with him on board. Even at age 41, he just keeps getting it done. And, and prior to Cruz's arrival, the race had used a dozen or so players out of the, out of the DH spot this season. Now they have one of the best ever to do it. Um, at least this late in a, in a career, I, I think that's been, a, it's going to be a tremendous ad and it already, already has been for the race. I feel as if that's going to pay off for them, especially uh, heading towards the postseason. Mm -hmm. right, so at number five, Boston Red Sox. So this is what I was talking about partially when I said that you might have an angry fan base uh, in your mentions later. But yeah. you, you, you explained why. You explained why uh, the, the Red Sox are at, are at number five. Uh, so uh, the other player of the week, we talked about uh, Chris Taylor earlier, uh, the American League player of the week, uh, Kike Hernandez. So he was a major factor uh, in the Red Sox uh, going five and one uh, or uh, five one against the Blue Jays and Yankees uh, between July 19th and Sunday. Uh, so that stretch allowed them to maintain a good uh, lead uh, over the Rays. So Kike Hernandez in particular, uh, he went uh, 10 for 25 with four doubles, a triple, three home runs, three walks, nine RBI, and eight runs scored during the week. Like, yikes. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and the Red Sox won in walk-off fashion against the Blue Jays on Monday night. So six and one over their last seven against the Blue Jays and Yankees um, to maintain the top spot in the American League East standings. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, it, it has to do with Nelson Cruz, really. And I, I think if people just want to look at the standings, they don't necessarily have to read my, my column. I try to offer something a bit more than that. I don't know. I'm trying to save face here. Uh, but Chris Sale is really starting to, to come into focus, I think, as, as a big part of what the Red Sox might do down the stretch this season and into the postseason, for that matter. He's got a, a 1.74 ERA and 20 strikeouts with just one walk through his first three minor league rehab starts. That's over 10 and a third innings. Um, he's expected to make two more starts on the farm before likely joining the Red Sox rotation 
uh, for their homestand that begins August 10th against Tampa Bay could be ready for that exact series. And wouldn't that be huge, like helping to solve some of the pitching issues that the Red Sox may or may not be able to address before Friday's deadline and possibly having Sale make his debut against the Rays, who the Red Sox are currently tangling with for the division title. He's over 16 months, I think closing on 17 months removed from Tommy John's surgery at this point. Um, so might not have some of the issues that you know other pitchers experience when they rush back a little earlier uh, from Tommy John. He was touching 98 miles per hour with his fastball in his most recent rehab outing. Um, so again, it'll be like a trade, I guess, get, getting sailed back into the rotation. And if, if he ki- continues to pitch like he has on the farm, I think he struck out nine batters over three and two-thirds innings in his last uh, rehab outing. Um, so that'd be a huge boost there as well. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so that rounds out your top five. And now we're going to get into the biggest risers of the week. So uh, your first big riser at number 10, the New York Mets. Uh, So uh, one player I'd like to talk about uh, just for a brief moment is Pete Alonso. So uh, since the home run derby, uh, he has hit safely in in all nine games he's played since. So that includes five home runs, 10 RBI. Uh, and in all those games, um, yeah, all but two of them uh, have been games that um, the Mets have won. Yep. Um, and Jacob DeGrom began a throwing program late last week. Like, whatever DeGrom is doing tends to shape my view of where the Mets should be in these weekly rankings. Uh, dropped them a couple of spots last week after DeGrom landed on the injured list due to forearm tightness, but he could head on on a minor league rehab assignment pretty soon. And be back in the starting rotation sometime in early August. Uh, Obviously good news. Veteran left-hander Rich Hill was added from the Rays on Friday as a nice piece of rotation depth. And the Mets are also said to be looking for some other rental pitchers. Max Scherzer, there was a report, I think, from Andy Martino of SNY that they're going to check on Max Scherzer. Uh, But if they don't aim that high or if the Nationals don't want to trade him or if Scherzer won't waive his 10-5 and rights, maybe they look to John Gray. Zach Davies, Charlie Morton, Tyler Anderson. Um, Then you get into some types like Alex Cobb, Dylan Bundy, who I don't know if they would be huge upgrades, but if if you're just talking about depth pieces, I think John Gray is an especially awesome fit. Um, Seems like the kind of personality that would love pitching in New York for a likely postseason bound team. And 
he's better than the other guys I listed with the exception of Scherzer who might ultimately stay in Washington and on account of the rest of the National League East being like either painfully mediocre or, or worse the Mets are up four games on first place the only team in that division with a, a record better than 500 but again that's only four games so a bad week from the Mets and a good week from some other club could obviously quickly change the tides um, then again what we're three or four days out from the trade deadline so some of those teams have to decide pretty soon if they're going to be buyers or sellers like I, I don't really even know what the Braves are going to do um, the Phillies could maybe move some parts, but they're a little bit closer than the Braves, and we'll see on the Nationals, and I'm sure the Marlins are going to be selling whatever they can. Uh, everyone except for, for, for starting pitchers are probably available in Miami. Your next biggest riser at number 13, a team I spoke of a little bit earlier, the Seattle Mariners. Uh, so they just took two out of three uh, from the A's, and now they are at a season-high eight games above 500. They're 54 and 46 uh, right now. And when it comes to their past 11 series, they have won eight, split one, and lost two, which I think is very interesting. Uh, so... Against the A's, uh, they are six and four uh, as of uh, right now. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, uh, the Mariners being buyers again, like completely interesting and surprising all at the same time. But yeah, I, I feel as if they're going to make a push for it. I, I feel as if uh, they're, they're getting all this confidence against the A's, and I, I feel as if they might, uh, you know, go after that wild card. Yeah, suddenly only trail the A's by one and a half games for that second spot. Um, this is despite the Mariners currently having a run differential of minus 52. Their Pythagorean win-loss record, which is based entirely off run differential, is 45 and 55. Their real record is 54 and 46. Um, so how are they doing this? I've, I've been trying to figure it out. Um, they're 23 and 8 in games decided by one run, 45 and 13 when scoring four runs or more. Um, that all speaks to some pretty effective pitching. I think more effective than we thought it was going to be coming into the year, especially in high leverage situations with that bullpen. Maybe some good managing, but I think also a lot of luck, especially that that record in one run games. Um, now in roll the Astros for a three game series in Seattle, which we talked about earlier, that got underway just as we hopped on here. Um, if the Mariners have some success in that series, like win two two of three or just don't get swept. Maybe they really should be buyers at the deadline. And again, who would have guessed that in March or even as recently as mid-May? Um, they've won 23 of 34 dating back to June 13th, and only the Astros have a better record in that span than the Mariners. It's It's been a fun run. We'll find out if it can last. I, I'd consider that AL wildcard race a six-team hunt, just looking at it right now. Either the Rays or Red Sox, whichever – team fails to claim the AL East and then you have the A's, Mariners, Yankees, Blue Jays, perhaps the Indians. I actually think the Mariners might be better than the Indians, especially with Shane Bieber uh, probably being out until late August and maybe even later. I, I'd probably stick a fork in the Angels um, with Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon making slow recoveries from their respective injuries. Trout's been out 10 weeks at this point and still hasn't ramped up baseball activities. Um, so maybe at some point they even just like shut him down. And then Rendon is at least still a couple weeks away. Um, we're not going to talk about the Angels on that show, but I, I just just wanted to break that down for a little bit. All right, let's go on to your next big riser. So climbing one spot to number 25, uh, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, so uh, 
on Sunday, uh, Daniel Lynch, uh, he, he was just recalled to replace the injured uh, Brady Singer. Uh, he pitched eight innings. Uh, on, on Sunday at Kauffman Stadium, the Royals won 6 1, uh, and that was a series sweep for their fifth consecutive win. Uh, they also won tonight against the White Sox. We're probably going to talk about that in a little bit, too. Uh, but yeah, all of a sudden, we're seeing uh, some interesting pitching performances uh, tonight. Uh, Mike Miner looked really fantastic. Uh, Changeup, especially, looked great. I think 20 swings and misses was his total, to his total overall. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we're seeing great pitching performances and just also like little spurts of offense that uh, seem to be propelling the Royals to these wins. Yeah, I, I sort of cherry picked the Royals here. They're one of a handful of teams to move up one spot this week, but we haven't discussed them in a bit. And they're an interesting group in the lead up to the deadline. Um, they also did just sweep a two game series from the Brewers and a, a three games or, you know, you said it earlier, uh, winners of six straight after beating the White Sox on Monday. Uh, the Royals have been a very streaky team all year. Unfortunately, there have been more losing streaks than winning streaks. You look at Whit Merrifield, um, is it time for the Royals to finally move him? He's had a down year in some areas, but does lead all of Major League Baseball in stolen bases with 25 and can play multiple positions defensively. Would be a fit for a wide range of teams, uh, very club-friendly contract that runs through 2023. Uh, there was a report last week from Jason Stark of The Athletic that Kansas City does seem more open to moving Merrifield this year than in past years. Um, and then another report from John Heyman of MLB Network who called a Merrifield trade highly doubtful. So lots of smoke, no fire yet. That's kind of been the story with, with Merrifield trade rumors for five years running now. Um, Danny Duffy, he had been generating a lot. He had been generating a lot of interest and I'm sure the Royals would deal him without blinking, but his situation's complicated by the fact that he went on the injured list last Tuesday with a flexor strain. And that can sometimes be a several week injury or longer. Um, so lots of risk there for any team that would be acquiring him. Uh, Duffy's pitched really well when healthy this year, which is his walk year. Uh, 2.51 ERA, six, 65 strikeouts in 61 innings. Then you have guys like Carlos Santana, Jorge Soler. Uh, Soler has finally picked it up recently. Um, dreadful first half, but six homers over his last six games. I know he hit two on Monday night against your White Sox. That's um, true, he did. Yeah, yeah, I think you had a tweet that was just like, can we stop pitching to Soler, please? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, bullpen pieces like uh, Greg Holland, Scott Barlow could get moved. It's it's hard to guess sometimes how the Royals are going to operate, uh, but you would have to think they will shed some parts for young talent before the clock runs out on Friday. And I I believe that they will at least trade you know some bit parts, and maybe we do see a Merrifield, um, Solaire, Santana, Duffy all go, um, and maybe Scott Barlow too, who earned a save on Monday. All right, let's go ahead and transition into your biggest followers of the week. So at number six, falling out of the top five are the Chicago White Sox. So I want to begin by saying that uh, the AL Central is generally a pretty weak division uh, mm -hmm. this year. So you mentioned earlier Cleveland's not that great. Uh, the White Sox, even though they are losing a handful of games, they still do have a, com a comfortable lead over the rest of the AL Central. 
Uh, so uh, as of Sunday night slash Monday afternoon, uh, they have a nine-game advantage. And so that's the largest among the six division leaders in Major League Baseball. But uh, yeah, so the White Sox lost three games in a row uh, coming into Sunday night. Uh, they finally won against the Brewers. Uh, but in my opinion, it was kind of um, an ugly win. Uh, most of the offense had to be generated by Lance Lynn. Uh, so that, that two-run single was actually his first hit since September 28th of 2017. And guess what team he played for, Drew? The Cardinals. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, pitching has been starting. Pitching has been decent, uh, but offense has definitely fallen asleep. Uh, the bullpen is a huge concern as well. Uh, so I know uh, you wanted me to uh, say if the White Sox were to make some sort of move before the <laughs> deadline. Well, um, I, I asked DJ Short, who's like our resident Mets fan, on the live edition of the Circling the Bases podcast that we do together on Thursdays, what he wanted the Mets to do ahead of the trade deadline. So this being the other podcast that I'm on on our network, I figured I'd ask you, Janice, as our resident White Sox fan here at NBC Sports Edge, what would you like to see from them before Friday? I believe the bullpen is definitely the priority. If I were to make one move and one move only, I feel as if Craig Kimbrell would probably fit in well. Uh, if the Cubs commit to being sellers, uh, second base is also an evergreen concern. I feel as if another bat would be ideal. I actually like the idea of Whit Merrifield, which I, mm -hmm. I was uh, trying to hold back my enthusiasm when he re you were talking about him as we were discussing the Royals. Uh, but that is, if the Royals are willing to trade within the division, um, it's a very club-friendly contract, like you mentioned. Uh, but otherwise, uh, bullpen first, uh, second base second. <laughs> Yeah, I mean they're they're in fine shape, and it's it's been kind of a rough patch o over the last week or so. But eight, they're still eight and a half games up on the Indians for first place in the AL Central, even after losing to the Royals on Monday night. Eloy Jimenez back into the mix for that one, uh, making his season debut after he missed essentially the first four months of the year with that torn pectoral muscle. And then you mentioned Lance Lynn earlier, uh, his great offense. Uh, I saw this note on Twitter earlier. He has the lowest ERA at 1.91 through 18 starts for a White Sox pitcher since Wilbur Wood in 1972. Um, so Lynn's been great. The pitching's been great. And in a market where, like, even the the, the most loaded contenders, like, they're all going to be looking for starting pitching help, and that's not something that the White Sox need. And I would feel very comfortable with that. Luis Robert is possibly going to be back uh, sometime next month or, or in September. So I think you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine, Janice. Thank you. Thank you. I'll add that to my weekly meditation uh, when baseball upsets me too much. Drew said you're going to be fine. <laughs> Just repeat it like a mantra. <laughs> All right. So your next big faller. Uh, so this might make a few folks upset. So falling out of the top five after um, a rain. Stop of saying that. <laughs> our, a reign of terror. I, want, I, I use that phrase very facetiously. Uh, for for so long, uh, the San Diego Padres. Uh, so it's not a not a huge fall uh, because they were at number five last week, but a fall out of the top five is pretty notable. Uh, so they did lose nine to three on Sunday. Uh, so they're heading home from uh, their nine their ten game road trip with a record of five and four. And so that also includes the suspended game against Atlanta. Um, but uh, perhaps uh, some wins are in the future. So they do play 12 of their next 14 games at home. So Yeah, this is a case where the Padres got leapfrogged in my rankings by the Rays and Red Sox. I would say the White Sox are in a similar boat. 
Um, but this drop might be a little more deserving considering the Padres. They're 9-11 and 11 so far in July and just lost the final two games of a four-game weekend series against the Marlins. But we know the Padres will be among the most active clubs from a buying sense over the next handful of days leading into Friday's deadline. They've been linked to a number of starters and relievers and position players. Already got Adam Frazier from the Pirates on Sunday. Uh, for three prospects. It sounds like they might try to move Eric Hosmer in some sort of creative deal to shed salary and open up the first base job for Jake Cronenworth. I'm going to guarantee that there's going to be like some kind of three-team, eight-player trade involving the Padres before Friday, and I'll have to write up every transaction about it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they're currently five and a half games out of first place in the National League West, but they hold the second NL wild card with a five and a half game lead on that over the Reds, this is going to be a postseason team. The Padres also say that with confidence. So my predictions are there's going to be a, a three-team trade involving the Padres, and then I'll say with greater confidence that they're going to be a postseason team. And I, I think they're going to be a very dangerous one at that. I, f I definitely feel the same way. Uh, yeah, that Padres infield uh, is yeah. uh, fairly da pretty dangerous. I don't want to say fairly. I feel as if that's discounting it. But anyway, moving on to your next big faller uh, at number 29. Uh, falling so far to one spot are the Texas Rangers. So they did drop their 12th, 12th straight game in a row on Sunday. Uh, they lost a 3-1 to the Astros at Minute Maid Park. Uh, so that is a season-high losing streak for them. I always hate hearing about losing streaks. Um, but, uh, yeah, someone has to be at the bottom, unfortunately. Yeah, I had to scroll all the way down my column. This is another one I kind of cherry-picked, but they've just been so terrible. Uh, you mentioned that the 12-game losing streak just got swept by the Astros. Uh, Four-game sweep in Detroit before that. Three-game sweep by the Blue Jays before that. Um, it's, it's not good, and this is obviously quite a significant week for the Rangers when it comes to the club's future. Kyle Gibson, it seems like they'll definitely try to sell him in a trade market that, again, is very light on starting pitching help. Um, Gibson has a 2.87 ERA, 1.18 whip, 94 strikeouts, and 113 innings this season. He's never had an ERA below 3.60 in, in a previous season, so is he actually this good with the ERA below 2.90 here at age 33? Probably not. Uh, but the Rangers can can probably get a decent return for him nonetheless because, again, the market is weak on even semi-reliable starters. And then Joey Gallo is obviously interesting. There's talk that the Rangers might hold on to Gallo and attempt to sign him to a long-term contract extension, uh, but they've tried to do that in the past. Uh, he is under control through next season. We'll see, though. That could be posturing to drive up the asking price. Um, Gallo is one of the premier power bats in this market, especially with Nelson Cruz now off the table, Ian Kennedy seems sure to be dealt. Uh, David Dahl, if he's at all healthy, can maybe find a taker on a like a buy low type of deal. I would just say keep an eye out on the Rangers as active sellers, and maybe that 12 great game losing streak will grow to about 20 or so. <laughs> That'll do it uh, for this week's Power Ranking Show. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the Power Rankings column. goes up every Tuesday at NBC Sports Edge. Rankings, observations on all 30 teams. Rate and review the Circling the Bases podcast. Uh, give us five stars if you like, but any feedback is welcome. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silva. Janice is at Scuriosa. And peace out. Peace. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. 
the longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.